VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yo, technology, what is it all about? Okay, we need to go from 6,000 tons last year to 10 billion tons by, by 2050. That's a 60 to 70% compound growth rate for the next 28 years. So we... Regardless of whether you think it's economical or uh, possible or whatever, what we need to deal with that overshoot is growth twice as fast as software for the next 28 years. Right. Growth of twice as fast of the software is eating the world era in which we are still living. That's right. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. I'm your host, Danny Fortson, and this week we are talking about barbecue sauce. Sort of. So back in the day, uh, when I covered energy in the UK, there was one technology that everybody agreed in the industry was totally necessary for the survival of the human race, but that no one was developing because it was just super expensive and difficult. And that technology is carbon capture and storage, or CCS, as it is known. And the idea is pretty simple. You attach some equipment to the flue of a giant power plant or factory, suck out the CO2, then pump it, well, underground into salt caverns or spent oil fields. The idea being that, you know, we've spent centuries digging up fossil fuels and releasing their CO2 into the atmosphere. And if we want to avoid the Earth going to f- total meltdown, we need to start putting some of it back and putting it underground um, from whence it came. So, as I said, it's been a huge challenge to get anybody to do it just because basically it's been pure cost. And there's been a lot of attempts to subsidize it. Thus far, they haven't really got anything over the line in any meaningful way. But one company in San Francisco has figured out quite ingenious approach to this problem that is different. And they're called Charm Industrial. And a couple weeks ago, I drove over the bridge to see what they're up to and to meet their co-founder and CEO, Peter Reinhardt. And as Peter explains, that the solution is really interesting. So what they do is they take plant waste as the kind of the feedstock incinerate it inside a reactor with no oxygen and what it produces is biochar which is kind of like charcoal which you can sow back into the soil and then the other thing it produces is bio oil which smells like barbecue sauce which of course can then be pumped back underground just like oil uh, in reverse so it's an entirely different approach to a problem that has vexed industry for decades and it seems crazily enough to be working 
So what you're about to hear is just how Peter, a, a former software company founder, found his way to turning plants into barbecue sauce in an effort to save the planet. And that is all true. It's a fun one. So here he is, Peter Reinhardt, the co-founder and CEO of Charm Industrial. Enjoy. Well, thank you for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We just did a little quick tour around the, um, it's funny, this pocket of San Francisco that's still industrial. <laughs> it's one of the few left in the city where there's like, you know, just big rusty old industrial parks. The forgotten south side of Potrero Hill. Exactly. Exactly. So I was really interested to come over here because back in the day I used to live in the UK and I spent a decade writing about energy, natural resources. And I remember all the way back in 2008 writing about CCS, carbon capture and storage, and how that was going to be the thing that the world needs and we need it urgently. And if we don't do this, it's all going to be terrible. And we're in 2022 and CCS is still this thing of like, we really need to do this. And it's just, you know, almost a decade and a half has passed and not much has happened. But you are taking a very kind of different approach to all of this. So if you could just briefly explain what Charm is and what you guys are doing. Sure. So at Charm, we're working on carbon removal and we do it by turning plants into barbecue sauce. And then injecting that barbecue sauce deep, deep, deep underground, three to 10,000 feet down. So that sounds, I mean, very straightforward. So how do you turn plants and what is the feedstock? Is it like agricultural waste effectively? That's right. It's agricultural waste. Uh, in the U.S., we mostly focus on corn stover. So this mm. is like corn straw, the leaves, the cobs, waste stuff that would just rot on the field. You can't take it all off the field. you got to leave some on for nice tillage and so on, but we take a portion of it. Uh, and we basically cook it without oxygen, and it decomposes into uh, natural smoke flavor or bio-oil, which uh, natural smoke flavor is what's in barbecue sauce and mm -hmm. makes barbecue sauce, and biochar, which can go back on the field. So cooking, for anybody who's listening, is like, oh, cooking equals fire equals emissions. So I imagine you're not doing that. That's right, yeah. We actually use the energy in some of the biomass to create heat to convert the remainder of the biomass into this liquid. And can you, for people who don't understand, briefly explain that what that process is, pyrolysis, what that is? Yeah, so we're it's it's basically the breakdown of sugars in in the plants, like cellulose, uh, which is these long polymers of mm -hmm. long chains of, of sugar molecules. And we're we're in, in cooking that, basically breaking it down into its sort of constituent parts. Uh, which is like the solid char, uh, mm -hmm. sort of like charcoal stuff, and a bunch of more liquidy things. Bio oil or, or natural smoke flavor is a combination of like 300 different underlying chemical compounds, mm. um, but it has that sort of nice barbecue smell. And right. uh, it's, yeah, it's a liquid. And so when you grind all of this stuff up and you put it into this pyrolysis, I don't know if it's a right reactor, what you would call it. How does that instant, because you were explaining outside, it goes from like, you know, effectively room temperature to 500 degrees C. Yeah, so you have a reactor uh, that's very hot, about 500 degrees C, and uh, you fill it with some kind of bed material. Hmm. And then you're taking the biomass, you grind it up into small pieces so that it doesn't take very long for heat to kind of penetrate each piece. And then those small pieces of biomass are put into this reactor bed where they contact this very hot bed material think like you know 
little balls or tiny grains of yeah. sand or it's or, kind of like uh, charcoal in a barbecue or something that never goes out yeah yeah or like uh uh you know like the mcdonald's playpen or whatever where they've got all those balls you're like <laughs> at a much smaller scale those yeah. imagine those balls are super hot and you throw a bunch of biomass on it and boom yeah. the biomass like vaporizes basically right. goes from room temperature to 500 degrees c in less than two seconds so what problem are you solving with this process because it sounds quite straightforward you take all this waste material but what is the benefit uh, that's probably a straightforward question but yeah the benefit is that it's converted into a liquid that's easily transportable that's carbon rich that we can put deep 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 down and in, underground into old oil and gas reservoirs where we ex previously extracted oil so in some sense you can the carbon that we've emitted in taking oil out of the ground we're now taking back in this form of barbecue sauce and putting it back in the holes from whence it came so there's a lot of investment and excitement around things like direct air capture which is the idea of like make a giant warehouse full of or facility full of like fans that kind of basically suck in air and pull out co2 from the air and the idea being that basically we not only need to reduce emissions we need to take some back take some out of the air direct air capture is i don't get it i think it makes no sense because the, there's not a ton of CO2 very concentrated in the air. So it feels like a very expensive, not scalable solution. So can you give a sense of kind of the impact of this type of technology when we're talking about this broader idea of actually we need to take back some of the CO2 we've been emitting for the last 200 years? That's exactly right. I mean, at the sort of climate level, we've gone from 280 parts per million CO2 pre-industrial to 415, 420 parts per million CO2, so massive emissions increase in CO2 in the atmosphere. If you look at kind of the different scenarios that the IPCC, UN, mm -hmm. has modeled out over the next decades, uh, you see that we basically have overshot our opportunity to just mm -hmm. stop emitting. We sort of missed the boat on that. So we even more desperately now need to get our emissions down and focus on reductions. And even if we nail that reductions pathway, we will still need to go back and remove our overshoot on carbon that's already in the atmosphere. So that's where this idea of we need to go back and remove our historical emissions because of this overshoot. And that's where that's where carbon removal comes from. And if you look at how much we need to remove to deal with that overshoot, it ramps from you know zero two years ago to about uh, 10 billion tons, give or take, in 2050. In terms of what we need to kind of rebalance the scales and avoid the worst effects of climate change. That's right. 10 billion tons by 2050 in order to stay within like 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius. And that's in addition to all the reductions in addition. that we're already on. That's right. In addition, uh, because we've already overshot. Right. So that 10 billion tons, if you if you sort of say, well, how much have we, you know, there's an industry around carbon removal, like how's it going? Yeah. Um, last year as an industry, permanent carbon removals was 6,000 tons. So a drop in the so, bucket. So um, I'm just doing some math in my head. 6,000. One, two million. <laughs> One, two million. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dumb and, dumb. and so of those 6,000 tons, about 5,400 were delivered by Charm. And the other 600 were delivered by Direct Air Capture in Iceland. Oh, the big project in Iceland that everybody got excited about that's raised like whatever, half a billion dollars or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Climeworks is awesome. Um, like they are the market leaders in Direct Air Capture. And, you know, we kind of came flying out of nowhere over the last two years with this barbecue sauce approach. And mm -hmm. um, we're able to put a good amount of tonnage underground last year. It's still obviously a drop in the bucket, right, relative to where it needs to be. 
And so, but if you look at, let's say, okay, we need to go from 6,000 tons last year to 10 billion tons by, by 2050. That's a 60 to 70% compound growth rate for the next 28 years. So we, regardless of whether you think it's economical or uh, possible or whatever, what we need to deal with that overshoot is growth twice as fast as software for the next 28 years. Right. Growth of twice as fast of the software is eating the world era in which we are still living. That's right. Yeah. So this is a huge challenge, and we obviously need a lot more people. All the stuff. A lot more super talented people getting into the space to, to help right. that happen. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so where are you as a company in all of this? And how did you, you know, arriving at the barbecue sauce approach, as you've termed it, which I love, I imagine that wasn't a straight line to getting to to this idea it was not for me the journey started in about 2015 Uh, at the time i was running a software company called segment so you were what you're one of the um like the refugees from the software industry because i'm coming across more and more of folks like i was just on the phone yesterday with somebody else who did very well in software and then he was like well i made some money i'm good and then he's like but mm, he lives in a place that's like where there's scarce water He's created a company around kind of water, irrigation, conservation, et cetera. But there's a lot of people who seem to be coming out of the software industry who are like, oh, there's a bigger problem here. That's right. Yeah. And my background before, you know, co-founding the software company was actually in aerospace engineering. So in some ways, going back to, to hardware roots for me. But uh, that's right. There's a huge migration out of software into, frankly, more meaningful problems. Right. In, in addressing climate or, or other other things around the world. So for me, it started in, in, in 2015. I was trying to purchase offsets for, for segment. We had emissions from flying people around. And right, food right, and right, right. Stuff right. like that. And so we bought some rainforest offsets and I was feeling all, you know, high and mighty. And a year later, I was like, what happened when we bought those, when we bought those offsets? And the deeper I got into trying to understand the answer to that question, the more I was like, oh boy, nothing yeah. good happened. Yeah, yeah. So the original impetus for, for starting charm really was a desire for a higher quality product in offsets and carbon removal and also kind of started dialing into industrial decarbonization as a major area that was not getting a lot of focus industrial applications like steel methanol yeah kerosene for for jet fuel 
ammonia production and concrete, these things are like 20, 25% of mm -hmm. global emissions and frankly are very underloved in terms of the amount of time spent on them. So I was interested in the sort of intersection of carbon removal and industrial decarbonization. Uh, fast forward 2018, started Charm with uh, Sean and Kelly and Kevin. Then it was about two years of kind of working on different aspects of biomass gasification and trying to find right. the right pathway that my co-founder, Sean, had two really key breakthroughs. The first was that the pyrolyzer that we were building at the time went all the way from biomass all the way to gas phase, sort of mm. same gas. It was very hot and just did it all in one step. And the economics for that weren't working well. And so he had this idea to split the machine into two and make a machine that would just produce bio oil and then we could transport the bio oil. And that was like a key economic insight. Because that's cheaper. Yeah, fundamentally, like drastically reduces the cost. Why is it so much cheaper? Biomass is very fluffy. Mm -hmm. And if you try to transport it, your economics get blown almost immediately. Like they blow away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just you just can't. Uh, you can't afford to move it very far. And it's, it's mm. there's not very much of it around. You have to go long distances to find enough of it to power an industrial facility. Mm. So by converting it to this liquid, you end up being able to transport it much, much further. And so all the economics start working. The problem was that in order to solve some of those industrial use cases, we need to get the bio oil pretty cheap. We needed to get it pretty far down the cost curve. Mm. So it's sort of like a Tesla Model 3 business model, if you will. You don't start with the Model 3. So yeah. the question is, what's the roadster? What's the roadster, right? And a few months later, Sean had a second breakthrough, which started as an innocuous search in a different direction. He was like, you know, we'd made some bio oil, and he was like, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to dispose of this stuff. And I was like, why are we spending so much time trying to figure out how to dispose of like a few gallons of this stuff? Like, I just put it in the trash, man. <laughs> and and he's like, well, no, 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 we got to do it totally properly. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And so he like, you know, digs in and he's like, well, we got two options. We can send it to an incinerator or we can put it in a disposal well. And he was like, wait a second. Hmm. If we put it in a disposal well, isn't that carbon removal? And uh, about 72 hours later, we had all the models done. We'd done some diligence on injection wells, and Stripe became our first customer. Um, so they made a $250,000 purchase for carbon removal on this pathway. And a few wow. months later, Shopify became a customer. A few months later, Microsoft became a customer. And things have kind of snowballed since then. So Stripe, Shopify, Microsoft, why are they so interested in pumping barbecue sauce underground? Yeah, they're very interested in, in carbon removal for kind of two reasons. One, like philanthropically, we're going to need this 10 billion tons a year by by 2050, and someone is going to have to help catalyze that. Fund it, yeah. And so they're playing a very catalytic role in getting the industry mm. off the ground. They are the buyers of first resort for all the new technologies. Well, this is so weird, though. You would think that the oil industry would be like, yeah, we know how to get liquids up and down out of the, you know, <laughs> under, underground, and we're big emitters. You would think that they would be central here. Yes and no. Like all big companies, big companies are slow. And so I think as time goes on, they'll play a bigger role, mm. uh, most likely. But they were not the, have not been the first movers here. What is the potential of this? Because, I mean, California obviously has a lot of, it's like, you know, the breadbasket of the American West or much of the America. And then you have the cornfields and potato fields in the Midwest and all that stuff. I mean, that's into when you're talking about it, going back to that 10 billion and you're talking about CCS and you're talking about other ideas like reforestation. Where does this sit in terms of when we're talking about actually sucking carbon out of the atmosphere as a kind of a, the potential here? How big is it? Yeah. So there's basically three major steps to the process. And the question is, which 
one will become constrained. One constraint is biomass, uh, or one piece is biomass. The second is the conversion of the biomass into bio oil. And the third piece is injection capacity, like how much room yeah. is there underground. It turns out injection capacity is enormous. Mm-hmm. Enormous, enormous. Like the pore space volume down underneath is absolutely massive. And bio oil happens to be denser than the oil that was taken out on a carbon basis. So we know there's at least enough <laughs> to, to put it all back. In the short term, we're capacity constrained on biomass to bio oil conversion. So the machines that make the bio oil from the biomass, but in the long run, obviously that can be resolved. Those are the pyrolyzers. Yeah. And so really the constraint in the long run is the amount of waste biomass that's generated around the world. So there's kind of two ways you can look at that. One is total amount of carbon or CO2 that flows out of the atmosphere into the biosphere and back out again every year is about like 100, 120 billion tons a year. So some fraction of 100 to 120 billion tons a year should be capturable in the, by this process. Yeah. That's top-down view. Bottoms-up view, you look at how many fields are there, making corn with corn stover waste, making sugarcane, making rice, making wheat, fuel load reduction for forest fires. Mm. These are all like great sources of biomass. And again, we're doing the nutrient replacement with the char. So like the soil is actually getting healthier out of this process. Mm. But all of those kind of sources of biomass together, waste residues, get you to like around a billion tons potential in North America. A billion tons of what? A billion tons of biomass, which just so happens to translate to about a billion tons of carbon dioxide removal via this process. Just so happens to be one-to-one. So about a billion tons a year potential in North America. You look across kind of global cropland areas and so on, and you get to somewhere between 5 and 10 billion tons a year of potential carbon removal impact. And that 50 billion, is that total or is that per year that we need? 50 billion tons a year is total global emissions today. By 2050, we need 10 billion tons. Oh, sorry, 10 billion, right. Yeah, 10 billion Mm -hmm. is what we need globally per year. Now, it's probably somewhere between 5 and 20, but let's call it 10. Yeah, why not? And so where are you as a company? Because we just did a walkthrough. There's lots of prototype size things, it feels like. What does scaling up look like for you? Yeah, so the pyrolyzer that you saw back is is actually commercial scale. Okay. Um, 10 ton per day unit. It's a prototype, but it is a commercial scale. Uh, and so scale up looks like mass manufacturing that. Right. So the challenge for us is to get from first of kind to something that is reliable and mass manufacturable. And that's the, like the main focus of the vast majority of the company today. And so who pays for this beyond the Stripes and Microsofts of the world? Is the market basically people just trying to reduce their carbon footprint and feel good about themselves? What is like the market? What are the economics? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, for us, we look at sort of three different markets, the Roadster, the Model S, and the Model 3, if you will. Mm-hmm. The Roadster market for us is voluntary carbon removals from folks like Stripe, Shopify, yeah. Microsoft, et cetera. A lot of financial services banks as well. After that Roadster market, the Model S market for us is regulated carbon removal markets. This is like the low carbon fuel standard in California where carbon trades at 80 to $200 a ton. The 45Q tax credit at the federal level where price point is between 85 and 180 bucks a ton. Mm-hmm. Those two are stackable, by the way. Um, wow. So... That is a potential many billion dollars per year kind of market, whereas the Roadster market here is, you know, maybe like a billion dollars a year kind yeah. of market. So it's a pretty significant scale up. From there, actually, what we look at is actually using the bio oil for reduction. It gets cheap enough that we can probably use it for reduction use cases. So our Model 3 market is actually using the bio oil, the barbecue sauce, to make iron. 
to replace the coal and natural gas used in the iron making process. As a fuel. Yeah, basically as a fuel or a chemical reducing agent. Right. And that allows us to both make fossil free iron and also get a pure CO2 stream that can get pumped underground. So we get a double benefit or multiplier effect of both a reduction and a so it's and car- carbon negative steel. That's right. Because the bio oil, because you're showing me those like little um, iron pellets, mm-hmm. what that bio oil does is reacts with that and kind of strips out the stuff you don't want and leaves iron that you can turn into steel. Yeah, it takes rust and rips off the oxygen so you're left with metallic iron. Got you. And in terms of the company, you've been at this since 2018. Like who are your backers? How much money have you raised? Like where are you in that kind of whole side of things? Yeah, well, we're about 40 people. We've raised some funding over the years from both sort of long-term venture firms as well as like heavy angels around Mm. um, Silicon Valley. We've raised a few tons of millions. We haven't ever announced our funding, but... Um, and part of the reason for that is is not like some super secrecy thing. It's that we really want to keep the focus on delivery. Yeah. My frustration as a customer was that there was not a lot of transparency into what was actually going on with mm-hmm. the carbon offsets I had purchased. And as I've gotten more into the industry, I've been even more frustrated that mm. the media is dominated by announcements with renderings. A lot of artist renderings. A lot of yeah, a lot of renderings, renderings, a lot of fundraising, a lot of like announcements of future purchases and offtakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we don't announce fundraising. We don't announce purchases. All we announce is deliveries. And actually, if you go to charmindustrial.com and click on registry, you can see a history of every single person who's bought and when it was delivered. Mm. And if you click into that, you actually see the detailed operation of on what dates did we do what part of the operation to get the barbecue sauce underground. So ultimate transparency. Yeah. Yeah. Super transparent and... Again, like what we announce is when we deliver something, because what matters is getting the carbon out of the atmosphere, not you know beautiful rendering. Of a well, as you plant. say, I think there is. A, it does feel like there's a lot of hand waving in this industry because there's like you know I don't need to tell you there's been a like a big rush of money and talent and hype into cli- all things climate tech, but as you say, it does feel like you know people talk about oh, we're announcing a net zero target. I'm like, well, what does that mean? What does that actually look like on the ground? What are you doing to invest in that? So it does feel like. At some point, there's going to be a, a reckoning of people being like, okay, what does this all mean? Yeah. What is actually happening on the ground? Yeah, and hardcore science is great. There's a lot of great R&D happening. Yeah. You know, hardcore project development and permitting and, and all that stuff is awesome. It happens in the background, and there's lots of companies working on that. But at the end of the day, there's a scoreboard with how much carbon we've removed as an industry. And, like, we should be celebrating successes against that scoreboard. And I want to see more people putting numbers up carbon scoreboard i like that that's a, that's a very simple idea <laughs> well cool i'll be following your scoreboard um, awesome you can check it out charmindustrial.com slash registry we'll check it out thank you very much thank you and that is all the time we have i want to thank peter for t- giving me the quick tour around the place around charms facility it's pretty cool to actually see up up close and in person real life stuff machines working doing cool stuff i want to thank you all for listening i want to thank you for the ratings for the reviews for telling a friend telling a neighbor all of it thank you thank you thank you and that is it for me this week i am not writing in the paper this week i'm on a project a big project so keep your eyes peeled over the next couple weeks for the, for when that actually sees the light of day. But I'm doing the podcast, but otherwise I am basically heads down uh, reporting and writing a big piece. So that is it for me this week. Please stay safe, stay sane. Thank you as always for listening and we'll talk to you next week.
As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.